G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you going today? Good, thanks, Rowan. Good to be with you again. Good to be with you again, and good to be with you again for a, oh, in some ways, a bonus episode. We're doing a, another episode this week, back to the weekly podcast. So always good to be back on the podcast, but nice when we get to do it, uh, to do it a little more regularly, Dad. So. I'll tell you what, I'm excited for today's topic, but I don't reckon I'm quite as excited as you are because it is your favourite topic that we're doing today. And I must admit, it's not even one that I'm, I'm just indulging you in. It's actually one that I think actually has a fair bit of relevance to today's topic. So we've called today's episode, Synchronicity Supporting Life Choices. So dad, it seems to me that, you know, from what we've talked about with synchronicity, there's such an element to it which is so affirming in so many ways. And to me, that would be such a big part of making a choice is obviously how we look back on it. Is that how you see it as well? Look, certainly a lot of the biggest decisions that I've made in life have been influenced by synchronicity. So synchronicity being meaningful coincidences. And I know I'm not the only one. I know a number of people who have felt this extra sense of conviction if they've made a life choice which has involved profound, meaningful coincidences around it. It might be a major coincidence in itself, it might be a run of coincidences, but even at a more simple level, I know that there are many people that if they take a course of action and they might, for example, repeatedly see 11.11 on a clock, and it seems spooky, this funny kind of repeated number 1111 and people can kind of sometimes wonder what it is but often intuitively people have this sense it's kind of like affirming their course of action in a certain way and so rather than being just completely superstitious about it one of the things that strikes me is when I've made decisions based powerfully on conviction supported by synchronicity, meaningful coincidences, I've never regretted such a decision. And in writing about that in my book, The Positive Psychology of Synchronicity, a whole lot of that was about encouraging people to use their intuition based on meaningful coincidences, if that's how they experienced it, to help affirm a course of direction they're going in. Well, it's such an interesting topic and it's such an interesting interplay, I think, between the choices that we make and synchronicity as well. And it's so interesting that point that you make about conviction, because one of the things that really stood out to me from last week's podcast was, you know, when we make choices, if we do have a a level of conviction about them, that is going to support our well-being. If, If we don't necessarily have to think back and second guess all of our choices that we do make. And as you said, there seems to me such an element of synchronicity, which does just inherently help that conviction. You know, if, if we're almost overcome by that that sense that there's kind of something bigger going on, it's so hard to kind of get lost in the weeds of all the details of should I be doing this or should I be doing that. It just is that almost overpowering sense of, of just oh, safety in a way in terms of those choices that we do make. It is affirmed like that. Yes, and for many people, if they're asked to describe what it's like for them if they have a range of repeated coincidences, really meaningful coincidences, often people describe something like it seems like things are meant to be. And it also leads people often to feel that there's some kind of benevolent organising force in the universe. Some people might call it God or the universe or a spirit or they might just have a sense of there being some larger kind of consciousness. But I think that leads to a kind of feeling that adds to our sense of being supported at times in the choices that we're making, rather than 
being more likely to get caught up in some kind of just indecision or self-blame, if you like. And also, often when people experience remarkable coincidences, it's energising. It helps people focus their efforts in certain kind of ways. It's as though people can feel, for example, the job they've just chosen, if they found out it had an uncanny connection to their family in some way or or some other interest they've had or if someone is in a relationship and then some remarkable coincidences happen around their meeting that person without again just being passively superstitious that can reinforce people's sense that they're on the right track. Well, I remember in in last week's episode, you spoke about that army tactic that the army use in terms of, was it make a decision and then make it work? And it seems to me that, you know, if you've made a decision, you experience synchronicity, well, very much you're going to make that work because, well, potentially you don't even have a choice. You're just going to kind of fall into line in terms of making that work almost subconsciously in a way. Yes, and but there is this extra quality of conviction, as you described earlier, that goes with synchronicity. And I'll actually use a couple of examples from my own experience, both positive and negative. And this might reflect how meaningful coincidences can lead people to feel that they're on the right kind of life path for them, even if it has ups and downs. And the first example that I'll use is, well, when I met your mother and so you know, we were dating and, and so our relationship was developing and it was just remarkable how often early in our relationship we encountered the repeated number six. Like we'd stay in a hotel room. It was uncanny how often it was the sixth room on the sixth floor. And funnily enough, after I wrote about that in my book, in one chapter, the very next hotel room we stayed in was the sixth room on the sixth floor of a hotel in Lima, Peru, with over 300 rooms. I thought, well, what are the odds of that? But the point is, that really added to my sense of conviction that your mother was the right person for me to marry. And I've never wavered in that conviction. Strangely enough, partly because of this number six, which other people would have had different experiences that they'd refer to as the synchronistic matchmaker. And when I came across that term, I thought, wow, that really sums it up, this feeling of the synchronistic matchmaker. It was a footnote in another book that I was reading. The footnote was footnote number 66. (laughs) I thought, yep, that fits. When actually I first presented on synchronicity at a conference, a CBT conference in 2016, it was seen as a fringe topic. I was given my speaker number for that conference. I'd been feeling a bit hesitant about presenting on synchronicity. People could think this is a bit weird at a scientific conference. And my speaker number was 1666. I thought, yep, I reckon I can talk about this. I think that's a sign, a tick from the universe, I call it. A tick from the universe, you're on the right track. But one other example I'll describe of when things were darker, well, following on from one of the best times in my life, a peak experience was when your mum and I got engaged. I hadn't planned it quite like this, funnily enough, but it turned out to be six o'clock on the 6th of June. And afterwards, again, how auspicious that seemed and... It only added to my feeling of the rightness of that match between your mother and myself. And as you'd understand, I didn't plan this, but six years later, I was admitted to a psychiatric hospital with severe depression at six o'clock on the 6th of June. Now, at the time, I wasn't well oriented to the time or the date or whatever. I didn't pick up on that. It was only later I realised it was that exact time 
which to me had always been somewhat auspicious. Now, this happened over 30 years ago, but I have never regretted since I made a full recovery, six, 12 months after having been hospitalised, I've never regretted having been hospitalised for depression at that time. After I recovered and I was recovering and I realised that date had come up again, I felt this must be something of my life path. This is something that must fit for me. It's not like things should have been different. It's not like I imagined all sorts of different futures for myself. It's like, no, this is how things are. In a sense, this is how things meant to be. So that sense of conviction can apply for accepting aspects of your life and how they're going and how you're following through and doing things that include bad or painful experiences as well as positive ones. So, yeah, there's some examples of how that meaningful coincidence has seemed to mark some things of real significance in my life. Oh, certainly, Dad. And look, look I have, have heard those before, but it's always a bit cute hearing that story about you and Mum. Always nice <laughs> to hear. But uh, I think there's some very interesting ideas that you bring up there. And, and look, one thing that really came to mind for me, and it's, oh, look, it's, it's in some ways a little bit indirect from what we've been talking about, but I think it really is relevant in terms of from what you described there, that whole thing about being in hospital and recognising the date and time and all this sort of stuff, it seems to me there's an element of talking about choices where we might find ourselves in a situation where we may not have made an explicit choice to be there. But I think if we look back in it, we can always have that element of, you know, well, I can actually take some responsibility in this situation. You know, I always think back to Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was, you know, it's an extreme example in some ways, but he was in a, a gulag Soviet labour camp and he thought, well, what is my part in this whole sort of society sort of ending up in this situation? And, and sort of what that suggests to me is that there's an element to choices that it's not even necessarily about making an explicit choice at, at a time. It's not as if all of our decisions are going to be, you know, a, a almost black and white sort of, you know, divergent path of... Is it, you know, Robert Frost, two roads diverged in a yellow wood and I, I took the one less travelled sort of... Not all of, our, uh, not all of our choices are going to be in that situation. But what I really took from what you were saying there about that affirmation that you got from recognising the date at the same time was that there's times when we can look back at a situation that we're in and go, hold on, I may not have necessarily made a choice to get here that's been super explicit and it's not been, you know, one plus one equals two... But I found myself in this situation. I'm going to take a little bit of responsibility for it going forward. But what I think experiencing synchronicity in a situation like that is, in a way, you can be affirmed even through not having made a choice. It can be that situation, oh, gosh, I'm in hospital here. But there is an element to which it's the right place to be at this moment. And, and I suppose just to give a, a brief example of what really came to mind for me there, I can't remember when, when my friend uh, Drew passed away. He was my best mate at uni and you know, it was obviously a horrible experience to go through. But some friends were walking back from the university down to our res and it, it was, if it wasn't the very first time that we were on that path where we'd always go skateboarding together, it was maybe the second time. And on the ground there was a little uh, coat hanger. It was basically in the shape of a, a balloon. And Drew had a, a tattoo of a balloon. And so for all of us, that was an uncanny moment. It wasn't as if we'd made a choice to be in that situation and all that sort of stuff. But I suppose going through so much uncertainty, there was that sense of, oh, hold on. There is maybe something bigger going on that we can't sort of conceptualise at the moment. And, you know... I suppose what's really stood out at that moment was just that sense of connection. And even though it wasn't necessarily a choice that we'd made, obviously, for that to happen, but 
there was that level of connection there and there was that situation that we were in and I was all like, well, you know, where do we go, you know, with it from here? And that was like so affirming, I suppose, you know, whether it be the choice of, you know, being friends with him and and the choice of being, you know, as as close to him as we were and, and the pain that we were going through at that time. It was as if all that was sort of stripped away and it was just, no, nah, this, is, this is the way things are. And, and even though they're not ideal, there's that extra level of connection and affirmation there. Yes, you're talking there about something about acceptance, about the acceptance of the way things are. And I think this is how people can constructively talk about or think about fate or destiny. Sometimes people suggest that if you're talking about fate or destiny, this is some kind of passive thing. It's just you leaving it up to some other external idea to sort out your life in some way rather than taking responsibility. Well, no, I don't think so. I think there's truth in the notion of fate or destiny, but that doesn't take away from there being personal choices that influence things. But if we've got some kind of notion of destiny or some order or pattern to life, it tends to help accept the way things are, including what I mentioned, that notion of having been hospitalised, that in retrospect, over the last 30 years since, that is one of the greatest learnings I ever had for understanding about mental health people experiencing depression, what can help people recover from depression. I learned as much from going through that severe depression as I learned in all my undergraduate and post-training in psychology as far as learning about depression. So I would never regret having learned it in that particular way despite the fact it was so painful at the time. So there are times when we can't see good that might come out of a situation, but when you have had very challenging experiences and then it does turn around later on and there is some kind of pattern or order to it, then that can also accept current circumstances and have some hope that, wait a minute, there might be something that comes out of this later on. And I imagine as well, that's where we could be in a situation to really think, oh gosh, we've really got to change things up here. There might We might hasten into a, a large scale decision that we might not necessarily be in the best place to make or, or yeah, it just seems to me that without that connection to, to maybe something bigger going on, then yeah, we might be a little bit agitated to almost yeah, rush into a decision that isn't going to be the best for us overall. Yes, and and as we're talking about this, one thing I'd like to highlight is rather than suggesting that people should experience coincidences and using that as a guide, what I'm looking to highlight more is that many people do use meaningful coincidences as a guide, and when they do, it's often demonstrably helpful. When I say many people do use it as a guide, as you know, many years ago for a milestone birthday, I asked people for a gift to give me a story about synchronicity, a story about a meaningful coincidence that they'd had, to write it on a card or a note, and I'd put it in a synchronicity jar. And 40 of the 100 people I invited to do that wrote a story or a note about a meaningful coincidence. I look back at those notes, and so there were 13. So 13% of the people that I invited to write a story wrote a note about something which affirmed their course of action. It affirmed a choice that they'd made. So I thought, well, wait a minute. This is a third of the people who are writing notes for me, who are indulging me with that gift of a story. A third of them are saying that the meaningful coincidence specifically had an impact in affirming their course of action. And 8% 
So one in five of those who gave a story said it bolstered their life direction in some way. In other words, it had a profound impact on their broad life choice. One in five who came up with a story. So 8% of my friends could spontaneously bring up a story, could think of an example that involves synchronicity, and this shows quite often it was bolstering a course of action and even bolstering their life direction. Now, you were saying early on about conviction being a helpful thing, about choices. Now, we know from research, as Barry Schwartz described in his book, The Paradox of Choice, that we referred to last week, these are some of the things we know about conviction from research. It leads people to be more confident, more open to experience, more attentive to new opportunities, and have more satisfaction, be more satisfied with the choice they've made. Well, these are demonstrably good things. So it's clear that there's been that extra conviction people had from the meaningful coincidence. So I think that even before doing specific research on synchronicity and whether that has led to, for example, more confidence, openness to experience, I think that putting those things together, we can be pretty sure that synchronicity promotes that extra confidence, attentiveness to new opportunities, satisfaction with our choices. So I think that's one profound example of how synchronicity can help. Well, certainly, and, you know, spot the psychologist who's doing research projects on his friends as well, so... <laughs> hey, uh, it was a birthday, they could indulge say, me yeah, then. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to uh, let that one slide, but uh, <laughs> no... Was, they were willing participants. <laughs> they, no, they were. 60% weren't. I was going to say, I'm talking about the percentages, that 13%, 8%, my word. Uh, but anyway, no, it's it's all good information, and, and thank you to uh, <laughs> to those people who did respond on that milestone birthday, which we're very conspicuously not saying which one, Dad. <laughs> but, uh, but it is good information and we will put up a link to, I know you've written a, an article about that, Dad, the uh, Synchronicity in a Jar series of stories that, uh, that we'll put through. So we'll put that on the episode page for today at psychspeels.com.au. But Dad, another element of synchronicity that really strikes me is, you know, I brought it up last week, you know, I think back to it a little bit. One thing that I heard one time was about the most successful entrepreneurs that they make decisions quickly and it takes them a long time to change their mind. So they, they go, right, we're going in this direction and then they stick to it. They make it work. I wonder if experiencing synchronicity, it almost helps us to do that in a way. We're, we're naturally going to be focused on, on whichever direction is that which gives us the synchronicity. Yes, well, I think that's one thing about experiencing an amazing coincidence. I think it gives us a dopamine hit. Like a striking, meaningful coincidence is often quite uplifting or energising in some way. It can really bolster someone's course of action. And so, again, adding to that sense of conviction, like we were talking about last week with choices, if we've got more choices, people can have a problem because they feel like they're making trade-offs. Well, if people have a sense of conviction because they're following a path that they feel that's meant to be, for example, they feel the planets have aligned, then they're more likely to follow through with that kind of action. Like it's motivating, it's energising. People are less likely to stop and worry about trade-offs. They're not likely to get caught up in opportunity cost. Oh, but what if I did this? Or what if I did that? Because it doesn't make sense to stop and think, oh, maybe I should have done this or maybe I should have done that if you have a conviction that what you're doing right now is what you're meant to be doing. And I think that's something which is missed 
in a lot of psychological research or social psychological research, if people are looking at things like rational ways that people might make decisions, weighing things up, if we look at what a lot of people actually do, they will often act on a more intuitive kind of process. And if they have a sense of conviction that what they're doing is just the right thing for them to be doing, there'll be less in the way of trade-offs, opportunity costs, indecision, self-doubt. And as we know from the things that we talked about last week about choice, that's a good thing to have that focus. Well, I think that's so true, and especially that point about intuition. You know, we look at people like, you know, Jeff Bezos and, and Elon Musk, and, you know, of course they'd be, you know, rational as, but at the same time, I, I hazard to say that they are super intuitive, and those decisions that they make quickly and stick to, they would most likely be intuitive decisions that are almost backed up by rationality. And what really stands out to me is that, you know, I remember thinking one time, it really, you know, almost struck me as profound when... I realise the degree to which, you know, every decision that you make has a price, but there's also a price to indecision. Every decision that you don't make also has a price to it. And it seems to me that if we over-focus maybe on the rationality side of things, we can almost get stuck going around in circles in terms of, well, we can always, you know, maybe find a problem with something. We can always maybe focus on the negative. We can always focus on the trade-offs. But without maybe using our intuition to kind of, you know, maybe get things moving and, and the rationality can sort of come in and support that afterwards, without that, it just seems that we are just almost going to not be able to make a decision in so many ways because it's so much easier, it seems to me, to rationalise why not to make a decision than it is to rationalise a decision in the first place. Yes, people can get caught up with inertia and indecisiveness and be concerned about making a decision that they'll regret I'll describe something which is almost like the opposite of that that can happen with synchronicity where people can make very effective choices quickly. There's something that I describe as synchronicity with kairos and that's where people act quickly on a coincidence with some beneficial effects. And so one example would be a fellow who was thinking it would be worthwhile him taking a different job. He'd been interested in different jobs and one day he was looking through a newspaper And it just fell open at a certain page and it had an ad for a job that he normally would not have taken. For example, it was an ad for a job at a school where he'd normally worked in a university setting. But there was something that was uncanny about this particular advertisement and it attracted his eye and he thought, wait a minute, that actually might work for me. Applied for the job, was very happy with that job for many years afterwards and looked back on it and felt as though it was meant to be. And the coincidence helped that happen. But there can also be other situations where we could be almost sitting next to someone or encountering a stranger in a setting where we have some kind of inkling that there's something about that person that interests us and we might have the impulse of maybe starting a conversation with that person. But that might seem too weird. But a number of people describe if they actually act on that feeling, that intuition, then often it turns out that there's some kind of uncanny link between them and that person. It leads to a friendship or some kind of collaboration or some kind of partnership in some way. So this notion of acting on inklings can help and sometimes the inkling comes up in terms of an opportunity, a coincidence, an opportunity, a remarkably uncanny thing that happened that captures your attention and if people have a kind of impulse or feeling, hey wait a minute, maybe I might act on that, then I've heard so many stories where people's 
jobs, relationships, new friendships, a different work direction, different life direction has turned out very well based on being attentive to their feelings they had around a coincidence. So we're partly talking about what Jung described as a numinous feeling. A numinous feeling is, it's not just a coincidence itself, it leads us to have a certain kind of spooky feeling, if you like, or a feeling there's something significant about this. That's what I'm suggesting, that people pay attention to that and sometimes act on the inkling that goes with it. Something that Carlos Castaneda referred to is someone taking their, a warrior, taking their cubic centimetre of chance. Castaneda described the difference between a warrior and a mere mortal is a warrior is on the lookout for a cubic centimetre of chance. And when that comes up, the warrior will strike immediately. One second later, the opportunity might be gone. I think many people might relate to that kind of example or that experience. Sometimes it's acting on the inkling at the time that leads to new wonderful opportunities coming up. Well, I think that's so absolutely true. And, you know, I'll I'll look back at it, a time I spent overseas and, Basically, just before I'd gone over there, I was going over to Newcastle in England without knowing anyone. And out of the blue, it was actually your birthday. It was for a, for a birthday party that we were having. I don't think it was quite a milestone birthday, that one. But uh, a family friend had said, oh, do you mind if, uh, if I bring this young Scottish fella along who's, you know, 18 years old, same age as you? And, you know, we ended up getting on absolutely famously. And anyway, it turned out that basically, you know, being about an hour and a half from Newcastle, where I was going, he had all these friends in Newcastle. And so I was sitting there at the youth hostel, kind of on my first or second night in Newcastle, and just happened to be talking to him. So I said, oh, mate, yeah, I'm in Newcastle, whatever. And he said, oh, I'll introduce you to my friends. And it was interesting because obviously, you know, I went along and I was this, you know, sort of out of place Aussie fella up in Newcastle who went along to sort of meet all his friends but then they became my good friends and I ended up sort of living in this house with kind of seven of them all in there but but it's so interesting now looking back on those friendships there's a certain sentimentality that I suppose exists within those friendships I think because of of sort of chance encounters that it all came from but I suppose what it suggests to me is that you know as we say we're not you know suggesting that if you don't feel synchronicity if you don't experience synchronicity in certain ways it's not as if you know you have affirmation there's a there's a whole range of ways that i think you can be affirmed but what it does suggest to me is that at those times when you do experience it you know i almost describe it as a sentimentality but it's that almost extra feeling of of wanting to kind of hold on to something through yeah having a bit of a an uncanny coincidence around the where it came from I think it's a great example and one of the things I like is how synchronicity often goes with positive emotions. It often engenders positive emotions. We feel good around it and you're describing something extra there that I imagine added to your sense of gratitude for being in that situation. Like you're thankful for that coincidence having happened. There's a feeling of it sort of being meant to be and it's like appreciating it extra you're less likely to be thinking, hey, wait a minute, I could be in London at the moment or I could be in Edinburgh or maybe I should be in Spain or, gosh, maybe I'd be better off in Italy. You're not going to be thinking of those other alternatives if you're really feeling that where I am right now is something satisfying to me, it feels right and there's that extra, again, sense of conviction that this is right for me partly because of the coincidence and the gratitude that goes with that as we described last week, when you feel gratitude 
around a choice, so you really appreciate the positives in the choice that you've made, you're going to also be more optimistic, more alert, more energetic, more enthusiastic, more likely to achieve your goals. Basically, you're going to be engaging more with the alternative that you've chosen. So you're likely to get in with those people more, um, be engaged with them, enjoy their company, appreciate the way that you relate to each other. You're going to be focusing on all those things that you enjoy and like rather than looking at the trade-offs of what you didn't do or the opportunity costs of where else you could be. That's a great example of how synchronicity can help with that. And I think what that highlights too, and you know, we touched on it again last week, but you know, one of the things that we have these days is you know, so much to do with social media. And, and look, I actually found it up in, uh, up in Newcastle. Everyone was going to London. And I was a little bit out of place, I think, going to Newcastle. And so I suppose there was a little bit of an aspect of, oh, I'm doing something a little bit different here. But I'll tell you what, after, you know, day one when I sort of met everyone and, and had this great group of friends, my football team was there and, you know, had absolutely no sense of that. So it seems to me that, you know, with stuff like social media, with this, I suppose, maybe in some ways implicit pressure to compare yourself to other people for reasons like social media for reasons like there's you know so many new jobs and all this sort of stuff around i think what synchronicity does is it's such an inherently individual thing it can be hard to describe it to people at times it can be something that you can almost look at it and go there is no way i'm going to be able to tell anyone that in the sense that i've just described it and so what that almost does is it gives a real richness to your individual experience. It may not necessarily be something that you can share with someone else in the same way that you could a movie or, or whatever it is, but you certainly can, I suppose, really appreciate whether it be a level of connection, a profound feeling that you had in a way, or, or yeah, an experience that, that meant a lot to you. I think when you go through something like that, you know, you're not worried about putting stuff out in a certain way because it's just, yeah, look, I'm probably not going to be able to get that across in the way that I want it to, but it doesn't mean I didn't experience it. Yes, one of the things I like about that is, as you're suggesting, something like um, synchronicity is a personal experience. It's not so much about comparing ourselves to others or what they're doing. So we know that people tend to be more dissatisfied if they're comparing themselves to other people's situations, even either better or worse. Again, as that poem Desiderata says, if we compare ourselves to others, we're going to end up either vain or bitter kind of thing. The thing about synchronicity is it brings it back to our own personal experience. And one thing I thought about when you mentioned that with social media is one type of social media that I do really like, or stories on social media, is there are some synchronicity websites, including on Facebook, where people tell stories of meaningful coincidences that have happened for them. And I can also think of other people that I connect with, including through Bernie Beitman's Coincidence Ambassadors. There's a group of us around the world who are interested in synchronicity. Many of us have written about it. We get together on Zoom a couple of times a month. And part of what we do is with ourselves and others, we encourage people to tell synchronicity stories. Now, the thing about synchronicity stories is they're very individual. They're personalised. There are themes that others might relate to, but by the same token, it's something about what moves us or what's been meaningful to us as individuals. We tend to delight in other people having their own synchronicity stories, which are personal to them. So it's not about, oh, gee, I wish I was in that kind of situation, or we're comparing like what story we've had with another. We're celebrating the experience 
of meaningful coincidences, of being energised by that, of feeling grateful for it. It's a bit like our dreams. Our dreams are very personalised, just like our synchronistic experience are quite personalised. It taps in, if you like, to our own unconscious, our own connection with the world. And it can relate to our sense of identity. It doesn't make much sense to be comparing our synchronicity stories or dreams with someone else and thinking of what's better or worse. It's just such an expression of our own identity and something for all of us to celebrate that aspect of our own identity. Well, Dad, just before we do, we've done it again. We've, uh, we said we'd do another little episode and we've, we've gone a little bit longer than we were going to, but it's all good stuff. It's good to, good to have this conversation. But one thing I wonder is, you know, there, there can be an element of synchronicity which is so unpredictable. And I can even remember times when, you know, I may not have experienced synchronicity for a little while and felt a little bit maybe discouraged or deflated by that. And I wonder then... If we're, for example, you know, we're, we're recognising some of this stuff, we're recognising some of the benefits in synchronicity in making our choices and how that can help affirm, how that can help us make choices in the first place. But I wonder then, do you have any tips for maybe experiencing some more synchronicity? Whether there are some ways to maybe induce some of this stuff that we're talking about. Okay, and again, I'd like to highlight that mainly I think it's worth looking at the positive side of synchronicity when it happens rather than looking at it as a lack when it's not. But that said, I will say in my own experience, what I've noticed over decades is if I go for a lengthy period of time, like months, without experiencing much synchronicity, I'm likely less attuned in myself. There's likely a little less balance in my life. Maybe I'm a little less energised. Maybe I'm experiencing less novelty in some ways. Maybe I'm a little bit stuck in my way. So I actually do personally think it's a bit of a, an indication for me that maybe I could be shifting my approach a bit if I'm not experiencing much synchronicity. But mainly I'd look at the benefits when it is there and the other thing I mentioned just before I describe how I think we might be able to induce a little bit more, just to highlight, synchronicity will tend to occur more often at times of transition in our life where there's high emotion and some kind of need. These are the conditions that Bernie Beitman described in terms of synchronicity. Transition times, high emotion, high need. I agree with him with that. So maybe if we're not at such a time of transition, maybe things are going quite well in our lives, we're consolidating a certain kind of direction in a certain kind of way, things are going more than good enough, maybe we're less likely to experience synchronicity then than at a time of transition. But that said, yes, there are things I think we can do. The main thing is being open to our intuition. If we get a sudden impulse when we're on holiday to turn left down this street and wander and just see what happens, I reckon it's worth doing that. If we see something in a newspaper about a movie or something which intrigues us or it's got some kind of uncanny resonance or about a play or something else and we've got a an inkling that might be worth seeing, maybe act on that. If we notice that someone has said something in a conversation which has pricked up our ears because it relates to some other theme we're interested in, maybe following up a little bit more, just being open to being open, as a friend of mine, Lisa Buxbaum, describes it, being open to being open, being open to our intuition because we all have this scope to pick up on some senses or reactions that go beyond intuition or our usual kind of five senses, being open to that. The other thing I describe is notice what you notice. 
In other words, if there's something which seems uncanny to you in a situation, something someone said, something intriguing in a newspaper headline, it might be anything. It might be something that just grabs your attention at an intuitive level. There's something that's maybe resonating at some level. Just be open to what that might be. Sometimes if there's an uncanny coincidence and you're not sure what it means but it's quite striking... There's another friend of mine who says, file it away. Put it in the back of your mind. You don't have to pick up the significance it might have then, but it might have a particular significance later on. But it's basically being open to our intuition, noticing things that way. If we have a certain inkling following on from our intuition, I would suggest at times that people act on that and see what happens. Like act with that kairos, take the cubic centimetre of chance. See if your inkling made a difference at that time or not. So just have a bit of a play or experiment with that. What I would describe is having acted in those ways in the past, I'd say it's gone in my trust bank. I've never regretted a significant decision I've made based on synchronicity with that numinous feeling accompanying it. So go on your own experience, but being open to some kind of experimenting that way. Well, Dad, it's been fascinating to chat with you about this today. It's it's probably not something that I must admit I really connected when we, when we first brought up the idea of doing a podcast on choices. It didn't immediately come to mind that we'd do something on synchronicity as well, but I think it has lended itself uh, to the topic quite well. And, and it seems to me, I suppose, as we've touched on today, there's kind of two primary levels that, that it really helps us in terms, of, in terms of synchronicity. And that's it either helps us affirm a choice that we've already made or it helps us to make a different choice and maybe it helps us to change our direction. And I know you've got a, a brilliant story about someone that it helped to change their direction and, and even save their life in some ways, but help them make a choice. And, and uh, I suppose just to finish off myself, I've got a bit of a story about how I know it, something really affirmed you, Dad, when, uh, when you had a, a bit of synchronicity after making a choice. It was when we were in London uh, for your book launch. And we'd done the, uh, done the book launch and, and a lady came up to you and after speaking about some themes and obviously to do with synchronicity and this sort of thing, she came up to you with a symbol of a trident in the veins on your hand and I just remember how buoyed and how energised you were by that and how affirmed you were that we'd you know, been to London in the first place and doing everything that we'd done in the first place. So... I know from experience that, uh, that you believe this stuff and, uh, and you very much uh, live by, by the words that you speak with this too. Thanks for mentioning that, Rowan. It brings back a wonderful memory. And the trident symbol is like the Greek letter psi. And how's this for synchronicity? The psi symbol is used as a symbol for psychology, mainstream psychology. Also, psi in terms of psychic experience. Also in terms of quantum physics, it's also a core symbol in shamanism. When I wrote about synchronicity, I looked to link these different things, mainstream psychology, psychic experience, quantum physics and shamanism, and it turns out they all have the same symbol, psi, that looks like a trident. In that talk at London, I didn't have time to mention the trident and psi, and I felt, ah, at the end of the talk, I'm thinking, ah, oh, that psi symbol's missing, you know, missing the psi. And the first person who came up to buy a book and sign a book, we had this conversation that it ended up, for different reasons, she herself spontaneously showed me 
the veins on the back of her hand that made a trident shape. She specifically referred to the trident shape and how she related to that. And I'd said nothing to her about Psi or the trident or whatever. I thought, ah, there's the Psi symbol. It has come in after all. So it was just remarkable that way. And yes, when you mentioned about choices, I've seen a number of people, a number of clients who decided to live after their suicide attempt was thwarted by an amazing coincidence. And we'll actually put up a video link on this podcast page about one of those examples. But it basically involved a person who was seconds away from taking his life. A blackbird smashed into a window in front of him, about a metre away from where he was. He concluded that blackbird has sacrificed itself for me and decided at that moment to not go ahead with what would have been almost a certain fatality would have been a certain fatality in a suicide attempt. So it led him to not just choose to live, but within a week he'd booked into a rehabilitation program, he'd got off all drugs within six, eight months, stayed off them, later got married, returned to full-time work, very effective in many aspects of his life. I saw him five years plus afterwards, he was still thriving and going well. And it came down to, it's like how that blackbird made a choice for him. And sometimes things happen that are so uncanny that people's life choices are shaped by synchronicity. And I've heard many stories like that from my clients and many others. And this is part of the reason why myself, Bernie Beitman, the psychiatrist, and many others, including those who work in the health field, look to encourage others to tell their stories because even though these things can't easily be rationally explained, there's a meaning to them, there's a power to them, there's a truth to them, which is energising, meaningful, it adds to people's sense of purpose, it adds to their sense of direction, achievement, it adds to their quality of relationships and connection, it adds to their positive experience, their positive emotion. So I think mainstream psychology tends to ignore many things that can't easily be rationally explained. And what we've tried to do in the podcast today is to say how what we do know about the experience of synchronicity it overlaps with other kind of research on things like choice, conviction, how people go about choices, how satisfied they are with choices afterwards. And I think there's a strong case to be made that when we make choices supported by synchronicity, that's another factor which makes it more likely it'll be a good choice. Well, certainly, Dad. And as you said earlier, I, I know very much so that, uh, that you very much practice what you preach in that sense. So I think it's, yeah, it, it's a good thing. So thanks so much for, for chatting with me about all this today. It's been fascinating because uh, I suppose last week it was, it was great to cover all that stuff on choice, but I felt that there was a real rational angle that we took with it. And it seems to me that there's so much about choice, which is intuitive, so often we can't even rationalise our own choices. So it seems to me that synchronicity can be a real tool for pointing us in the right direction and to help us be assured that the choices that we have made are the ones that are right for us. Hopefully it helps add another side to the picture. <laughs>